0: And this is why your pastor loves the Word of God. Because just when you think you have exhausted a subject, keep digging, keep digging. God will reveal Himself through His Word. So part four is on the way. We And I thought yesterday, all right, part four is done. And before I could get off that plane, I got part eight. But we began looking for this daysman, someone that Job cried out for in the midst of his calamity. Where is God in all of my trouble? Or oh, if I could just find somebody that understood God and understood me and bring us both together. And I'm glad to tell you that he is the Christ of our crisis. Someone said, where is God when everything goes wrong in my life? He's where he always has been, at home, and on the throne. And somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. We have seen Christ in Job's book as the representing one, the one that represents us to God. We've seen him as the recording one. Job said, my record is in heaven. And my record is on high. Aren't you glad God's keeping the score? And the last time we dealt with this, he is the redeeming one. Chapter 19, Job said, I know my Redeemer liveth. And aren't you glad in the midst of all of our troubles, we don't serve a dead Savior, we serve the living Savior. I want us to come today to chapter number 23, and we're going to look at one verse. With the help of the Lord, for the next few moments, I'm going to dissect this verse in three particular parts and we're going to look at this days we're going to look at Christ in the book of Job as the refining one. The refining one. The one that is working out in your life and mine. That which will bring glory and honor to His name. We come to our text, chapter number 23 and verse number 10. Now, any time a verse begins with this conjunction, but... Stop right there. Don't read the rest of this verse until you go about two to three verses before it. Because what he is doing, he is comparing two trains of thoughts. He is presenting a set of circumstances, but he's going to remind you, in spite of that, standing somewhere in the shadows of that, is the Christ of our crisis. Praise God, our heavenly days That little conjunction but links back to verse number 8 and verse number 9. Where he says in verse 8, Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. Now before we try to explain why Job is having so much problems, I wonder by the show of hands, is there anybody in this room at one point in your life, or maybe more points in your life, you've wondered, God, where are you? I can't find you. God, I'm looking behind me and I'm looking forward. And God, I cannot see you. What you're doing in this mess of mine, God, I can't seem to find you. Now look what it says now in verse number 9. And on the left hand, and notice this little phrase in the Bible, where he doth work. Now, Job knows God is still at work even though he can't see him. He knows God is still at work even though he can't understand him. I'm about to get blessed. He knows that God is still at work even though he cannot actually, right at this moment, see or feel or understand his presence. And isn't it did good to know today that when I can't feel God, figure out God, and find God, I can follow God. Because God is still at work. Anybody here grow a garden of any kind? I do not have a green thumb. I couldn't even grow pot if I tried. Of course, you can go to Tom's house and get all you want, that little hemp building up behind their house. But I can't grow anything. Me and my wife plant something, it'll die. If you invite me over to pray over your garden, it will die. But how many of you ever planted flowers or you've planted some kind of a garden and you go out and you till the ground and you plant the seed and you cover up the seed with the dirt. You don't go out the next day and pick corn. You don't go out the next day and pick off them big ripe tomatoes. You don't go out the next day and pick the grapes. You don't go out the next day and pick the butter beans. In fact, it may be several days. It may be several weeks. You can't tell nothing's happening. And it'd be easy to say, seed must be bad. Seed must be dead. But what we can't see, and what we don't know is down up yonder, something's working. The process of germination is taking place. You can't see it. And sometimes I look at my life and I say, well, that's dead. Nothing's happening. Something must be wrong. But little did I know that God was working the unseen places of my life. You don't have to worry about God being alive. He is. We don't have to worry about God being in control. He is. You don't have to worry about God showing up on time. He will. Verse 9, but on the left hand, where he doth work, Job said, he's working, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him. And then he comes to our text, but on the other hand, in spite of, look at what he says. But he knoweth. If that was the only words in that verse, that'd be enough to make the clouds roll back. Job said, I don't know, but he knows. I can't find him, but he knows me. I don't know what's happening, but he does. But he knoweth. Notice verse number 10. But he knoweth the way that I take. And right in the middle of it is this little phrase. When he hath tried me. Say that little phrase with me. When he hath tried me. See, he's the refining one. Notice this declaration, this divine promise. I might, I may, maybe if I get a good lucky penny, if I get some of flowers from Shane sisters out of their Bibles. I heard that Wednesday night. I've never seen a man throw off on his family like Shane does. That bothers me. They're good people. But he didn't say, I may if the sun shines or the stars line up or I get my palm red. He said, I shall. I shall come forth as gold. I got a New Testament verse that corresponds with that. Two of them. First of all, he that hath begun a good work in you shall perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Got me another one. Looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. I think I got me another one. I'm alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. Think like I got me another one. I'm the Lord and I change not. I think I got me another one. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, I shall come forth as gold because in the midst of my crisis, he is the refining one. Let's come to verse number 12. Let me break it down today in three divisions. Division number one, notice how it reads, but he knoweth the way that I take there's a colon. Then here's the second division. When he hath tried me, comma. And then here's the third division. I shall come forth as gold. And in these three divisions, in these three divisions, he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. We get a threefold view of Christ, the refining one, the one in Romans eight twenty eight that's working all things together for our good and his glory. You say now, Brother Joe, in that first division, what do you see about the refiner? Well, number one, notice the refiner, his perception. Notice the perception, the view, the knowledge, the inside information of the refiner. Notice the opening phrase of the text in verse 12. But he knoweth the way that I take. Can I remind you today? He knows me. Notice how personal his perception is in the text. Notice how personal his knowledge of Job is in the verse. He knoweth the way that I take. One of the greatest things anybody will ever discover studying their Bible, there is a personal relationship between God and his people. We're not singing about somebody that we don't know. We're singing about somebody that we do know. And on the other hand, our choir was not singing about somebody that does not know them. They were singing about somebody that does know them. And when I stand before you today and say, open your Bible to the book of Job, we're going to look at the Christ in your crisis. We're going to see God in all of our troubles. I'm not telling you about somebody that don't know you, and I'm not telling you about somebody that you don't know. I'm telling you about a God that knows you and a God that you know. He's a personal Savior. I could preach right there a month. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my refuge. The Lord is my hot tower. The Lord is the lifter of my head. The Lord is the strength of my life. He is my God. He is my shepherd. He is my king. He is my Lord. And by the way, it's not a one way street, baby. It's a two way eternal highway. I am his child. I am his son. I am his sheep. I am his piece of clay. I am his body. I am his bride. I am his beloved. Thank God the personal perception of the shepherd, of the king. Of the rose, of the lily, of the rock, of the valley, of the refiner, but he knoweth the way that I take. Well, I love that phrase: The perception of the refiner he knoweth. Have you ever took something to be worked upon? Have you ever went to a doctor? Have you ever had somebody come to your home to fix something? Have you ever had to go to somebody with a problem and you felt like in your heart they didn't know any more about it than you did? And I'll tell you, you can't work on something you don't know about. You can't cook something you don't know about. I've tried to eat stuff people cooked that didn't know what they were doing Like that boy one day was walking by the coast. I didn't say beach, I said the coast. And he found a genie bottle. And that genie come out and said, man, wish something and wish it big. You got one shot at it. He said, oh, that's simple. He said, I'd like to have a perfect understanding of my wife. I would like to know everything there is to know about the female side of humanity. That genie shook his head. He said, "Mm -hmm. can you try something else? He said, well, I've always wanted to go to Hawaii. But I'm like some of my members. I'm afraid to get on a plane and fly. He said, I'd like to have a road built from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina to Honolulu, Hawaii. It's either that or I want to know everything there is to know about women. That genius said, you want a four lane or a two lane? Son, you can't fix something you don't know about. And I'll tell you this today, you'll never go to God with a problem that he don't already know about it before you get there. In fact, let me take you how strong the foreknowledge of God is preached in this King James Bible. Your heavenly Father knoweth what things you have need of even before you ask. You say, Brother Joe, how in the world can God know what's going on in my world before I ever ask? Because like the preacher said last Sunday, he knows your mind, he knows your heart, he knows your soul. He knoweth the way that I take. That's three words translated knowing the Bible. One is knowledge you gain by studying. That's not the knowledge of God. God knows everything without being taught anything. The word know in the text means to be adverse, to be acquainted, to be well advised of the situation. Boy, that's the word I've used a thousand times in my life. I used it three times this morning, talking to a weeping daughter. talking to a wife totally weeping and crying her heart out over that phone and i said I, i bet i said it five times i don't know why i don't know why i don't know i don't know because I don't have the understanding or the wisdom or the ability to process every thought. But I want to tell you in the shadows of your mess, in the shadows of your brokenness, in the midst of your hurt, there is the refining one who is well adversed. He is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He knows what you're going through. He is well adversed. There's nothing he has to learn. You can't inform him about anything. He knows your heart. He He knows your mind. He knows your thoughts. He knows your anguish. He knows your pain. Can I tell you about one today that's well acquainted with you? He knoweth the way that I take. His perception. He knoweth. I wish I could tell you the times people have fallen in my arms and said, Pastor, by the way, that's what your pastor's for. He's to preach the word of God to you. And cry when you cry, and hurt when you hurt, and laugh when you laugh. I'm preaching this morning as a shepherd with a broken heart. I love Brother Bingham. He was one of them kind that was here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. Loved God gave, participated, and sat back there and just cried. He told me, that he said, Brother Joe, you know I'm church of God. I said, I don't care. Help yourself. Worship God. Everything's going to be all right. I'm telling you, I'm hurt today because I love those people, and my heart is hurting. But I can't tell the times that people have fallen in my arms, or I've knelt before them on my face in a time of anguish and hurt, and they've said, "Do you know? Do you know?" Can you explain? Can you explain? And I've heard him say this, Brother Don, through their brokenness. Oh, preacher, you just don't know. Nobody really doesn't know the depth of my hurt. Oh, the depth of this anguish I feel in my soul. Nobody really knows. And I've heard him say, only God knows. Only God knows. But can I tell you something good about that little phrase? I know it sounds desperate. I know it sounds depressing. But when you say only God knows, aren't you glad at least there is one somebody who really does know, who really does know? And I'm telling you tonight, I'm glad to tell you, he's the perceiving refiner. He's acquainted. He's at He knows the reason. He knows the why. He knows the cure. He's got an understanding of the whole plan in your life. I'm glad he knoweth. Oh, it's a personal perception. And He knows me personally. Somebody said to me one time in a joking way, Brother Joe, I got up this morning and I prayed, God bless Joe. And God said, who's that? I said, Brother, he knows me by my special name. That hits you today about twelve thirty. You may embarrass some Presbyterian down to Piccadilly. I said, "He said, 'What do you mean by that?'" I said, "I got a name I ain't even heard before." Woo! I mean, to tell you, there is one that does know. He knows. He knows me personally. And then according to the text, he not only knows me personally, but he knows my path. He knoweth the way that I take. i tell you what you do sometime. Go home and read 42 chapters and see what all he means when he said, he knoweth the way that I take. Raymond, come here real quick. Everybody loves Raymond. Raymond's had people send him offerings over the internet. And every time your grandmother would get in the car, she'd say, now now Raymond, when the preacher walks down there, don't do nothing stupid, honey. Act right. That word acquainted, the word no means to stay in touch. That's what it means. He stays in touch. So, Brother Raymond, stay in touch. Stay in touch. Stay acquainted. And and, and I use the skinniest person in the church besides Dustin, but I'm afraid his batteries may run out before we get through. (laughs) So you put both hands on my shoulder, son. You stay acquainted. Job said, he knoweth the way that I take. He knows me personally, and he knows my path. He knows the way. He is in touch with the way that I take. Eh, Y'all wake up back here, Donna. He knoweth the way that I take. Well, one way Job had to go was by the funeral home. One way Job had to go was by a graveyard. One way Job had to go was by bankruptcy court. One way he had to go was by physical adversity and suffering and pain. He had to go by the way of loss. He had to go by the way of disappointment. He had to go by the way of trouble. He had to go by the way of hurt. He had to go by the way of misunderstanding. He had to go by the way of people not understanding. Y'all wake up back here. And he had to go through a hard way and a difficult way and a way that he didn't understand. And sometimes, listen to this, he didn't even know which way to go. But that was a force done moved on behind him. That when he couldn't go any further, there was a force moving behind him. Push, boy. There's a... There's a force moving behind him. He's in touch. When Job had to climb up the hills of hurt, there was one that was in touch. When Job had to go down in the valley of despair, there was... Go sit down. Go sit down. I'm done. Aren't you glad there is one that is acquainted? You'll never walk a path and he's not with you. In fact... I'm going to drop my bucket and preach right here a while. There's not a path that you'll ever walk. He's not before you. He's not behind you. He's not beside you. He's not beneath you. He's not above you. And if you are New Testament, Holy Ghost regenerated, blood-washed Redeemer, He is in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You ain't going to lose God. God ain't going to lose you. He knoweth the way that I take. Wow. The perception Of the refiner. I got to hurry. Number two. Notice the middle part of this passage. Not only his perception. But notice. His process. The process of the refiner. Look in the middle part of the text. When he hath. Say that word with me church. Tried. Me. When he. Hath. Tried. Me, Can I say this today? He not only has a perception, but he has a process. He has a process. He has a way and a mode that he is working. The word try here refers to a coppersmith, silversmith. In this text, a goldsmith. And he has the original ore. It doesn't look like a gold vase. It doesn't look like a gold ring. It doesn't look like a silver or golden trumpet. It's just a hunk of ore that most people would look and say, not much value. But over at his shop, he has a little pot called a crucible. And under that pot, he builds a fire. I've, I was preaching up north a while back, and come to find out, I've been pronouncing that word wrong fire. But I think fire and far is similar. One may be hotter than the other, but they're similar. So if it's fire to you and far, I'm just glad He's the God of the fire. He'll build a fire, Chuck, under that crucible. And he'll take that virgin ore that doesn't look like much more than just a stone or a rock or a glob or something. And he'll put that into crucible and he'll build that fire. And the hotter that fire gets, it literally melts that hunk of raw gold or copper or silver or whatever he's working with. And to keep it from sticking and gumming up, he's Let me, to keep it from gomming up, to keep it from looking like a mess, like he found it, he continually stirs the pot. Brother, the hotter the fire, the thinner it gets, the more liquid it gets. And he's continually stirring. And what happens? It starts to bubble. And when it bubbles, it crusts over with a rusty looking something or a green looking something called dross. That's the impurities that's in it. You see, what he starts with is not perfect. What he starts with is full of flaws and discrepancies. But that fire gets hot. And all of the impurities come out of it and it floats up to the top. And he'll take that stirring stick and he'll skim it off. Throw it out because it's no good. And he'll keep a stirring and he'll keep a burning and it'll keep a bubbling and he'll skim it off again and he'll keep a stirring and keep a burning. Man, you can go in and say, hey, Mr. Smith, uh, what are you doing? Where's my gold man? Where's my silver vase? Where's my golden trumpet? He said, son, I'm in the process. It takes some time, but I got a process. You see that ore, I know it's in the pot. I know how much fire it needs. I'm the one running this show. It's my pot. It's my crucible. It's my fire. It's my stick, it's my hand. I'm the one that's stirring in your life. You said, dear God, what is God doing in my life? He's a stir in the pot. You say, how long does that smith keep up that process? Till after he stirs and stirs and stirs and there's no more bubbles and there's no more scum, dross coming to the top And here he knows when he's finally finished, when there's nothing else coming out of it that's impure and imperfect. He looks down in the crucible and the, hallelujah, and the gold and the silver is so pure that he looks down and he sees himself like looking into a mirror. You say, Preacher, what is God doing in the midst of all of my calamity? I tell you what, He's doing in the midst of your calamity. He's stirring the pot, He's boiling out the dross. And you see how long He's going to keep it up. Till one day He looks down and there's no bubbles, and there's no imperfections, and there's no impurities. And He sees Himself because the Bible said it's been predestinated by the good sovereign grace of God that we will be conformed. To the image of his dear son listen I'm imperfect now I got my flaws now I got my hang ups now but wait till you see me in my brand new body in my brand new home I'll be perfect I'll be without sin I'll be without spot I just come to tell you he's got a process and you can't beat it and you can't rush it and you ready for this big one and you can't stop it. Process. How many of you had a mother or a grandmother that cooked? I'm talking about from scratch. One of the greatest slappings I ever got. I asked off Margaret. She said, "I made these biscuits from scratch." I said, "Okay, who made the scratch?" And when she got through, I couldn't scratch. But how many remembers going in on a Friday night or a Saturday night and your mama was baking in pies and cakes for Sunday? I just want to say this to you younger people. If you have never ran your index finger around a bowl of leftover cake batter, Some of you felt something right then. That's all you felt all day. I'll tell you what I'd do if nobody was looking. I'd stick my head in there and I'd clean her off. That's some of the best pies mama ever made. Man, you know what? I've seen her pull the... You young people ain't going to get this, but there's some white stuff called flour. And then she'll break some eggs... And some lard. That's why most of us have some on us, because we ate a lot of it. And some butter. Mmm. And some vanilla extract. Come on. Stirring. You know what? It don't look like a cake, it don't look like a cupcake, but it's the process. I remember when my mama got that nice new, well, they call it—I call it—a double-decker stove. We got one at the house; it's never been used, but it's nice to look at. We draw pictures on it. We got a nice one. Anybody need one? And looking through them windows, you can just tell something's going on in there, but you can't eat it yet. And even when she brings it out, stay away, stay away, stay away. I've got to decorate it. Boy, you've never lived until you took them two fingers and got in that good stuff to decorate it. Boy, ain't it good? Billy Kelly said when he was so poor, when he went to Kentucky Fried Chicken, he had to lick somebody else's fingers. And you get old of that. And finally, there comes the day. She said, okay, it's ready. And boy, you dive into that chocolate cake or that, boy, this red velvet, German chocolate, coconut. What's going through your mind right now when I say cake? Cake. Cause I'm telling you, there's one food, you better keep them women out of it. Because if they ever eat it, they're never the same. And that's wedding cake. But you hear me, I'm telling you, hear me. You can't sit down and enjoy the cake because the process has to be completed. I don't eat flour. I don't eat a spoonful of lard. I don't drink vanilla extract. And I don't eat the whole bowl of batter. But I pull myself up to the table and add me a slice of cake after the process was going through. You say, what in the world's God doing in my life? I don't know what he does. But i tell you this. He's on time. He knows. And he's got a process. He's not killing you. He's not destroying you. He's making some real velvet cake out of your life and I've come to tell you trust the process. Wait on the process when he hath tried me it is a personal process it is a painful process but it is a productive process. I got to close. I see the perception of the refiner. I see the process of the refiner and then look at the last line I shall Come forth as gold. I see his perception. I see his process. But I want you to see, third and close, his product. He's going to produce something. And it's going to be exactly what he wants. He said, What's God want in my life? Same thing yours and mine, us to be like him. And Job said, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Real quickly, let me break that little phrase down. Number one, I shall. He didn't say I may. He didn't say I might. Then he added this other word, I shall come forth. Write this down. Number one, it will Vanish. Can I just say this? It will be over. It will be finished. It will not last forever. You know what keeps a child of God sane in the midst of an insane world? It ain't always gonna be like this. I watched my daddy suffer. The night before my daddy died, he lost his dignity. And I just wept and cried helpless. And my daddy, if he would had any idea what was going on, he'd have been so embarrassed. My daddy was a very private person. I never saw my dad in all the years without his shirt on. I saw him barefooted a couple of times. My daddy wore more clothes to bed than some people wear to Walmart. In fact, some people don't wear none. Good giggly wiggly. But my poor daddy had lost his dignity, he had no idea. And I said to Julie, I said, if Daddy knew this, he would be so embarrassed. And I walked outside of that nursing home, that rehab center, that he was only in about twelve hours. And I said, God, as much as it hurts me to say it is, and I know I'll never be ready, but God, I'm as ready as I'm going to get. Please help the preacher, man. Lord, please help that man of God. He's talked about going to heaven. He's sung about going to heaven. He preached about going to heaven. There's been a few times I've seen him get happy and shout about going to heaven. I said, Lord, please don't let him suffer forever. Oh, God, don't let him lose his dignity forever. Oh, God, don't let him struggle to breed forever. And it wasn't long till the sweet angels of God came and took him to a land that's fairer than day. I'm here to tell you, your cancer ain't forever. And your heart disease ain't forever. And your broken heart ain't forever. And your broken home ain't forever. And your broken dreams ain't forever. And the heat and the fire and the pain and the disappointment. I've come to tell you, trust me children it is not forever it will come to pass it will vanish you shall come forth it will vanish and number two it will be valuable because he said I shall come forth as gold hallelujah you say what's gold got to do with a Christian well I'm glad you asked. I'm going to have a gold crown. Hallelujah. And I'm going to go to a city where the streets are pure gold. But there's something better than a gold crown and the gold streets. I preached on this about three or four months back. The trial of my faith when God's through working on me, it's going to be more precious than the gold. Because it will not perish. It'll be forever. I shall come forth as gold. You realize when Job said this, he has broken out from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. And I'm not trying to be nasty, but an open running Leprous sores. His kids are laying over here dead in the grave. All ten of them. His wife is looking around at what used to be their home and it's in shambles. His livestock is stolen. He's been marauded. His crops have been burned. He's reduced to nothing. Nothing. Everything he had, everything he started with, come. And Job said, when he's finished, I shall come forth with gold. I preach on this on a couple of Sundays and God rebuked them friends. They didn't get by with all them insults. They hurled at Job. And by the way, all them people that abuse you, it ain't over yet. God's keeping the score. Vengeance is mine. I'll repay, saith the Lord. Camp right there a while. Can you imagine the thought in his wife's mind and in his friend's mind? Here he sits. Oh, broken, sick, weak. Talking about, I'm going to come forth and go. Well, you sure don't look like it now. I may not look like it now. My new home will not set upon foundations that are man-made and will someday pass away. It won't be built where the storms of life can batter. Because the clouds will never hide the light of day. And the cornerstone of God is my foundation. The root of David Christ the Lord our coming King. What a welcome and homecoming there awaits me. And I'm expecting any day to move right in. Just wait till you see my brand new home. Wait till you see it's beauty rare. Nothing down here can compare. How is it, Norman? How is it, buddy? Brother Bingham, testify. Wait till you see my brand new home. My heavenly Father's building me and I'm going to occupy for free. Boy, I wish I could sing it like Vestal Goodman. Just wait till you see. I'm here to tell you, brother, we may look like a chunk of coal right now. We may look like a wad of dirt that's just been dug out of the ground. In fact, no matter, that's exactly what we were. A bunch of wads of dirt dug out of the Miraclea Sin. But when he's through working on me, and this process is completed. I'll shout her out, brother, on the hills of God because he's the refiner. Glory. Well, what am I supposed to do until then? Set in the pot and stay on the fire and wait on God. Because he says in chapter 13, he's the reliable one. Because though he slay me. Yet. While I trust.